0: This is Vam Electric Ghost. In this episode, Peg talks to UK visual artist and singer songwriter Rachel Mayfield. So, I wanted to give a little preface about Rachel May- Mayfield from her website. So, I'm going to read her um, bio. So, Rachel May- Mayfield started releasing music in the 1990s when she formed and fronted indie rock band Delicious Monster. The band released one album, Joy De Vie. If I said that right, sorry, I'm not French. So, um, and four EPs receiving critical acclaim and chart success. Following that, Rachel traveled to live in Amsterdam and recorded an album of Transports of Delight with Delicious Monster co-founder and guitarist, musician, and fine artist, Joseph Stokes. This album went on to win Album of the Decade on the American Woman's Radio and was re-released on Iron Man Records' label in March 2018. After extensive touring of this work, two-part ways to concentrate on solo projects and began adapting to new ways of constructing music and art projects. Rachel took a break from public life for several years, but continued to create anonymously under the name Magic for No Reason, and she designed and convened a creative self-esteem and well-being projects for homeless people experiencing mental health issues in London, UK. During this time, she released an EP titled Fear is the Enemy to raise funds For the Upbeat Music charity label, whose patrons are the rock band Coldplay. She also recorded with cult band Gallon Drunk on albums Black Milk and Bear Me Away. Her song Expectations was also featured in British independent film Nice Guy. Following this, she began writing, performing, and recording a new new selection of work based on subjects of perception and separation. The first element of this was titled Pushing Me Into the Fantastic and was debuted at the Swiss Cottage Library and Art Gallery in London, UK. This piece was a combination of narrative phot- photography and live performance and was her first step into conceptual art. Rachel then continued to write music and make short films for her first music solo project um, titled Winter of Desire. It had a limited first run release on CD through the Pure Savage music label a collective enterprise record label that was formed by the management and band members of Delicious Monster in the 90s. The album was well received and enjoyed a re-release of new recordings on IMR Records label in 2017. After touring Winter of Desire in Ireland, Rachel began to develop her a new her next season of work titled Venture of Belief, based on themes of discovery and sensation. She produced and directed a series of poetry films for this collection, one of which was then featured as a part of the Poetry Film Paradox at the British Film Institute Love Season and Flat Pack Film Festival. In 2016, Rachel moved back to her hometown to begin a new season of work titled truth to material. Based on subjects of belonging, memory, and displacement, this work is currently running on the weekly radio show installation on www.brumradio.com. Tuesdays at 7 p.m. GMT. This collection also includes her first short feature film and albums of songs of the same name due for release in 2020. To hear mu- more of her music and view films and read excerpts of this work while supporting her further development of the collections, visit www.patreon.com forward slash Rachel Mayfield. Again, that's visit www.patreon.com forward slash Rachel Mayfield. And now you can listen to the interview that Family Ghost did with her today. And please support Rachel on all of her social media, which we've included on this broadcast. Thank you very much and continue to listen to Family Like a Ghost. Hello, this is uh, Family Like Ghost. So we have Rachel Mayfield on the line.
1: Hey, we do have Rachel Mayfield on the line. Hello.
0: Are you in uh, London?
1: I am uh, currently in Birmingham today.
0: Okay. That's great. So just to give a little preface, um, I interview indie artists from around the world. been Fantastic. doing it for about two years on mm. uh, Anchor FM. Uh, we don't charge anybody. We like to just be able to talk to other musicians. I'm a musician myself. And, right. um, and we just want to be able to give people a platform to discuss their music and their projects and their process. So that's, that's I had found you, found you on Instagram. <laughs> and I started to dive deeper into your catalog. And I was reading your website. And you had been in, in the 1990 indie indie band, uh, Delicious Monster. Exactly. Um, I found a bunch of the, the videos from your band on YouTube. I couldn't find your records like on any of the streaming services um, for that band. I did find your, your latest album on Spotify. Excellent. Uh, winter of desire that's correct i've been listening to that great that was released in like 2017 right
1: that's correct yes october 2017
0: and do you have um like a patreon site
1: i have yeah i set it up around a month ago and uh yeah i think i think it's the way forward
0: that's cool (laughs) Cool, and you also have like a radio show right that you're doing
1: I do. I have a weekly um, alternative indie arts and culture show on an alternative radio station here in Birmingham, UK.
0: And you're working on like a new album called Truth to Material. Is that That, right?
1: That's correct. Yeah. Really good research you've done. Thank you.
0: Well, I try to do my work, you know, because I'm a musician. I want to give people their due. Um, Thank
1: you. Thank you.
0: So maybe we can talk about like, I don't know if you want to go back to your first band or you want to talk about your current work you can make the choice
1: um i mean i'd like both as long as one's not yeah talks about more than the other i'm happy
0: so yeah uh, so maybe we can kind of talk talk about when you got into the business and um and maybe that was before delicious monster maybe you can talk about like what we tend to talk about is like how you got into music sure what your inspirations are so if you maybe want to give a background on um, uh, how you first got into it and then maybe the, your your first band.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I just, um, is this, I've got slight echo and repeat. Is that okay? Is this going out live or?
0: No, it doesn't go out live. Uh, maybe just turn down your phone so it doesn't echo. Maybe make sure you're not playing it in a, any kind of device. Oh, brilliant. With a, with a, with a speaker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it might, um, it might get a text or a phone call while we're chatting on my phone, but... We just have to carry on. That's great that it's not live. I'm really happy. helps things yeah, a bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, we record it, and then we put it into segments. If we get cut off, we can divide it up into segments.
1: Oh, that's um, so great. What's your name?
0: My name is Keith. Keith? Gittins, Keith Gittins-Jones. I go by the name Phantom Electric Ghost. Fantastic. Um, that, I love that, that name.
1: That's
0: that's my stage name. Oh, I love
1: and,
0: it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a indie producer, electronic musician. I actually play, like, modes and roll like, real sense. have to put down... Soft sense, but I play. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: I play hard. I play hardware sense. And, oh, you know it's, it's kind of a lost art sometimes, but um. Yes. Um,
1: yes. Do you produce uh, band, other bands, or is it that for just for your own music?
0: I have my own band, but I'm actually collaborating with. I've collaborated with a lot of different people. I collaborated with this artist in California named All Control K. Yeah. Uh, I actually have been working um, uh, on some collaborations this year. I don't want to mention the name yet because we're not done with it. Oh, but so yeah, I understand. I had played with a band in New York City. Um, um, so, yeah, I, I, I collaborate, I produce, and I do a lot of my own music. Like I just got a record contract with Bentley Records out in, New, in New York City. Oh, and gorgeous. I, I have a song coming out on uh, Mojo Heads on April 12th. Um,
1: Excellent. I'm really looking forward yeah. to it. Please keep me keep me informed of your music as well. You know, I can play it on my show and just for my cool. own pleasure as well. Yeah.
0: That's cool. Thank you. Well, yeah, so <laughs> So hopefully um we it will sound good, but um I I got a little bit of a cold, so my voice is um oh. not great as it was normally, but it's a little better than it was last week. Good, good. <laughs>
1: I'm glad you are on the mend. I do understand. Yeah, we've yeah. all had it. Cool.
0: Yeah. So maybe you get into um, you know, your your whole history with um with delicious. Okay.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. Um Yeah, I guess, well, um, I met the guitarist from Delicious Walter at school. He was a few few years above me in school. And um, we separated. He left school before me. We kind of separated for a couple of years. And then we came to, we were introduced to each other again through a mutual friend. And it turned out we'd both been heavily sort of working on developing our own music skills in that time apart. I mean, I started writing poetry and lyrics, and taught myself to play the guitar really early on, like nine, like nine years old or something. So, um, yeah, when when, um, when we got back together after leaving school, we realised we had the same sort of madness, you know, the enthusiasm that just there's nothing else is important, you know, as you know, and that was a great start. That's where we so we started rehearsing um, together.
0: So what were your influences when you got into music? Like who did you look up to? Who did you want to emulate, or were you inspired by?
1: It's a great question, but it's not one I can answer that easily because I had um a c- combination of my father's record collection, my brother's record collection, and my mom's record collection to listen to uh as when I was growing up. So my brother was into scar and um that kind of music you know ska punk and uh my dad was also a jazz singer and he was listened to a lot of big band jazz and jazz and experimental jazz and uh, but my mom was who was a lot younger than my dad listened to um like ballads like carpenters and you know this all, kind of thing all good stuff yeah yes, stuff. yeah really good like really powerful female singers you know and powerful singers and I get so I was completely ecle- eclectic uh, so I'm a sort of i I became a sort of hybrid of a um eclectic balladesque you know with with feeling I mean to me i I knew that whatever I did it it had to move me in some way uh, but yeah, then,
0: that's, yeah yeah I was kind of wonder because a lot of times you get singers and you get um, musicians but they they play in a cover band. And oh so, I
1: know
0: yeah yeah so you're wondering like when what what makes the difference between a musician that you know is a studio musician or a musician that plays an orchestra or a musician that's a cover band and a musician right, yeah. that actually ha is a singer songwriter has their own vision so like yes all the, yes that eclectic background seems to maybe have inspired you to like pull out your poetry and turn it into music or
1: Oh, yeah. I, I've been asked the question, you know, what, what, why did I start to write lyrics? And it, it wasn't a thing or an event. It was feeling, you know, I had a, a sense of separation. I didn't, you know, I felt separate from those around me and sort of my environment. I felt sort of and like the observer, if you were, you know, kind of looking out to the world. And it, it was just a natural progression for me to write that out, you know, to start writing that out into using words and of course there was an unloved guitar in the house so i had to i was you know i was curious to, to... Yeah. <laughs> and then the two sort of married and and went if i hadn't got anyone to talk to per se on any day i felt like i was talking to everyone when i picked up the guitar and sang those words there was kind of a a third mind or another you know another element
0: yeah, I think, I, I mean, I'm a poet. I actually started wow. writing poetry in high school. And then I got into synthesizers. And, you know, I got into Jupiter 8s and, you know, Prophets. And I'm at like, 51. Gosh. And so I was, like, in the, in the new wave, new romantic era, I was, like, very enthralled with synthesizers. But then I was writing poetry, and I never thought I could actually sing. Yeah. Um, so I just wrote poetry, and then I did instrumentals. And then one day, I got a voicoder for Roland, and I decided that I could actually sing, and I, I, a strange thing happened, is I actually uh, play a female character in my band, named Josephine <laughs> Electric, wow. and I found I, I was never confident with my male voice, so I created a female persona named Josephine Electric, Amazing. and then I used her, her as the lead singer to take all this poetry I had written, <gasps> and turn them into songs, and so Family Electric Ghost is this idea of the band full of ghosts, that has a lead singer that's a ghost named Josephine Electric, and they're all phantasms. And so oh. that, I kind of fell into it that way. Kind of, I was very inspired by Bowie, yeah, uh, the idea of of having personas like Ziggy and Aladdin singing ideas like that, and uh, you know Queen and the kind of stagecraft of uh, you know '70s bands that to have oh, this okay. whole idea. And so yeah. I, it's just interesting. I find a, a lot a lot of artists, like singer songwriters, they they do want to. Speak to people and speak to the world, and sometimes they're very insular, and then they want to talk to to the whole world. I've talked to a lot of different artists that seem to have that kind of. Have you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I love what you just said. I'm quite fascinated by the the ideas of uh, the difference between a person and a persona, you know, and and how the persona develops and what the intention behind the persona is and how far you can go with the persona. And I, I wasn't, I didn't automatically think I want to reach out to the world. I just felt that. If I if I I was trying to understand myself, and yeah. uh, there was a, I guess kind of an, an innate kind of connection to it that eventually did speak to other people.
0: It just I think, if you find out as a poet or a writer, when you're yeah, a lot of writers are like it's about self discovery. Yeah. But then because they're honest, or they or they're trying to be honest, um, it, it ends up speaking to other people. Like singer-songwriters, yeah, Dillard.
1: exactly. Dylan and
0: Springsteen—they speak to everybody. Oh, Because totally. they they say something, and then you key 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 on, in on it. You're like, wow, yeah, I feel that way. And so I think, and then punk Me is a kind of broad to even more people. Um, that you know, I'm, I'm a big lover of the Clash and Who's to Do and Replacements and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so I I I I'm kind of all over the place myself. I'll listen to Johnny Cash, I'll listen to Colton. Oh
1: yeah. yeah. I'll listen yeah. to Hendrix,
0: I'll listen oh, to i yeah. listen to Joy Division. You know, during, Excellent. During. I mean, Excellent. I, I, I'm Excellent. just everywhere. Everywhere yeah. in my music, I'm just uh, like pulling from everything. Wait, just pre- I, I, sorry. I, <laughs> yeah. No, great. But, yeah, it I proves that, it proves that, that, that. I think I totally identify with what you're saying. Because oh, I thanks. think a lot of the the, the great artists i I've, I've listened to in the past are people that don't have any particular genre. They kind of pull oh. for everything. Oh, you know? thank
1: you. I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah, absolutely. It just proves that it's a feel. It's like a certain. It's like a particular ingredient rather than a sound or a genre. Yeah. You know, it's it's a particular sort of weaving, a sort of a, a way of weaving. I mean, I think perhaps I, you know, it was quite abstract because I didn't understand, and I was, you know, even I couldn't speak as well as I could sing. You know, I was quite shy. I wouldn't my words trip up a little bit over each other and. But when I came to singing, and you know, that's I think that's how it led to it becoming indie music accidentally because I didn't um, think about the outcome or it's got to be verse chorus verse chorus. It's got to appeal to anybody. I just knew I knew it had to feel and sound a certain way that suited my inner self. If that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, because those songs I was watching them on your videos, and they've got a really good feel.
1: Great, I mind me about
0: the cranberries a little bit, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah, but really good indie sound. You know, I grew up like in bands like the rem. Oh, um, I big, love it! Big, big, big star, Alex Jones, big star, and a lot of bands that were very confessional. You know, if, if even like yeah. you think about Neil Young, yeah,
1: and, and, yeah, and,
0: yeah, and, and, and the ditch trilogy, you know, when he did Tonight's Tonight, Time Fades Away, and on the oh, yes, yeah, he <laughs> was like totally honest. And he was just being very expressive in a way that, you know, nobody really does. I mean, you get bands like Green, yeah. and the Velvets, Big Star, you know, Third, you know, is, is a kind of confessional kind of album that's yes. really barren, barren at all. But singer songwriters, you know, when you play acoustic, like, like your acoustic albums, yeah. Uh, yeah. you got that feeling, you know, you got the honesty and you can really yes. reach people. I, I, oh, I yeah. like that. Oh, I'm thank very you. Much into thank that. you.
1: Yeah, me too. Absolutely. I don't know any other way. And it's not always the easiest path. You know, there's always um, an offer to be something else, you know, when you've got a voice and you've had some, some successes, you know, there are people go, okay, do this, do that. Let's make this more commercial. And if ever I've had an opportunity to do that, I've never gone with it, you know, and it it can be a bit of a struggle, but I can live with myself, you know, that's that's the main inspiration, I guess. Yeah, we're
0: going to ask you about that because there's a lot of people today, like I, I'm an electronic musician, and then people just assume I'm a DJ. Ah. And assume I'm using Pro Tools, they assume I'm doing that. I use an analog hardware workflow. Wonderful. Well, I go directly to, like, d- recorders with my sense. I take my mugs and I don't put them into a dog.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I actually play them track by track like i was in a recording studio because i have my own recording studio in my house yes but everybody like i see it they're all on the cdjs and they're all like oh you know what's you know what's your grid set up on pro tools or <laughs> and i just don't i don't work that way because i i work from like the old school way of like you know playing everything kind of live onto the tape and the overdubbing yeah you know, you know maybe doing stream of consciousness and it seems to be a rare thing today, because everybody wants you to fit into this kind of Daw environment, and 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 I find that it's very very um. Well, people won't take risks. I found people like, oh, they let the computer tell them what the beats per minute should be. They tell, they let them tell yeah. them what it should be in. <laughs> they won't, they won't make the little micro mistakes to actually make a song. I hear you. I
1: hear you, Because they're trying brother. to correct
0: every, they're trying to correct everything, and it doesn't sound authentic. I hear you. It sounds kind of. Like make music. I, I call it like McDonald's music. <laughs>
1: yeah, God, it so it was so. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like
0: to come down on people, but I'm like, I feel that there's some honesty in really just playing a guitar, or playing a Moog, or playing a modular synth, and being like, like true to yourself and just doing what you feel.
1: Completely. Um, well, when to try
0: and be a hit.
1: <laughs> oh no you can never no because that yeah absolutely you can never sort of write well I mean you can you can think okay this is gonna be manufactured to this commercial audience I mean but well I don't you know it won't have the same result on an emotional level ever I don't think but um you know my A Winter of Desire was recorded in a church live in a, a little church on a
0: high street awesome.
1: yeah just you can yeah. probably hear some uh traffic noise coming through
0: one of the windows or you know well, i love that i love <laughs> it when people are like actually mic mic the drums and and yeah. you know and actually actually play an atmosphere of live recording i do a lot of live recordings that i bring in and then do over that yeah i actually do a lot of stuff where i'll do like a facebook live uh for my oh, home man. studio and then i'll i'll kind of i have a like a jazz sensibility where right? i like to play live and then I'll record it, and then I'll go back and overdub, kind of like what Pete Townsend used to do, when, like, you know, if you go back and look at, like, who's next, that uh, a lot of that was done live. And it, the reason it sounds so good is because it was live. It was the band playing live. And um, and they just recorded it really well, and then they overdubbed it. But there's a lot of music, you know, the Allman Brothers used to do that. Uh, Clapton used to do that with, like, uh, Garrick and the Dominoes. Uh, it's just a lot of classic, you know, music it's, it's, I think it's a little bit more authentic to do it that way um
1: yeah i mean i've got I've got another stage name I use um so when I'm working with electronic musicians and they you know i'll do I'll do that, but I won't produce it, I won't get into that f- for myself, oh, you it. know, for my own material, but uh, I'm not certainly not anti it, I understand it, but it just couldn't be me, you know it just wouldn't be me <laughs> and,
0: but i I'll, um, I'll take a device like I'll take like like a like an Akai, like like you know, machine. But then I'll I'll bring analog sense into, it. and and I and I'll actually you know bring my own samples of stuff I create myself, you know. And it then is. I'll organize it. But then I'll try to like break it. I don't try to stay in the BP. I try to like turn off the autocorrection, and I'll do that to like create a structure. But then I'll take it and bring it into something else, and do overdubs on it and change it. So I'll use DAWs to to have tools to create certain tracks that I want to have that are very tight and then I'll have looser stuff on top of it. Um, And this thing is just a way of, you can use any kind of tool that's out there and just use it as like a palette, as a musician, you know, like an artist. You just, you take the best capabilities of a certain tool and you say, okay, I know what the constraints are with this thing, but then I want to kind of break it. (laughs)
1: yeah i don't you see i'm not a music producer i mean i i'm a i'm a songwriter it starts with the lyric and the guitar for me but if i'm going to take it any further than that even though i don't work with the same musicians all the time now i i go to a producer next i don't try and produce it myself i'm not a producer i know the sound i want to achieve but i'll go to someone because that's their art they're brilliant at that you know like Ed, uh, the, you know, Ed Buller produced the Delicious Monster album. He did the Suede albums and, and, you know, um, Jarvis Cocker albums, you know, and, uh, and he did our album. It's because they're great at what they do. So, but for me, it depends on the season of the work I'm in and what sound I want to create. So, Winter of Desire, it was just me and my guitar, so it had to be just me and my guitar, you know, I didn't want to take it any further than that, than how it is. Yeah, well
0: that's cool, I mean that goes back to like, you know, that old kind school, like Dylan, you know, singer-songwriters yeah. Uh you're just playing guitar, even like early, like <laughs> young um, I, I always appreciate you know balladeers you know playing on a an acoustic Do guitar you? Or, or, or somebody even doing a piano you know somebody playing oh yeah piano, yeah, um, yeah. And, and play like like a Tori Amos just playing oh raw yeah piano.
1: totally
0: it is it, you know you know I mean she does a lot of stuff where she'll bring a producer and add uh, drums and stuff but her just playing piano yeah with nothing else is phenomenal
1: absolutely um, I agree and, uh, and, uh,
0: And so I've always liked to like strip things down and just do it. But because I'm a one person band and I'm a producer, I kind of.
1: That's amazing.
0: Create create my own sound. So clever. people. (laughs) That is so
1: clever. (laughs) No, it's just, that's not the way I could. I mean, I I never try and change anybody I'm working with either. So I'll cherry pick people who I know they're kind of already at what I want. So like in Birmingham, I've got my favorite. I'm living in between two cities at the moment, but. When I'm living in Birmingham, which is my hometown, where I'm from, there's some great musicians here. And I know I know who the, they're in the bands already, but they're the ones I want, you know, I want them exactly yeah, as yeah. they are. I am looking yeah. for a studio for Venture of Belief, which is the next album that's coming out in the series right, um, before Truth to Material. So I have to, you have to watch this space and come back to me maybe when I, <laughs> when I find that.
0: Next day. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, we like, we actually, if you listen to my podcast, I've had people on like three, four times. Where oh. Um, you know, that guy I was talking to, like different artists I talked to, Um, like Kendra Black, I've had her on like five times. Oh,
1: fantastic.
0: And we, and we actually walked through her album, The Fire, every track.
1: Perfect. So I, I
0: when, when somebody puts out a new record, if they want to, they come on my show and I let them talk about every track.
1: Oh, I um, love it.
0: It's Which so is good. kind of what I like to grow up. You know, I used to watch, uh, you know, like behind the music when MTV used to actually show videos. Yeah. <laughs> music videos, not just like reality show. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I always liked documentaries where people would talk about the creation of an album. I was watching like the documentary on Rumors, like Fleetwood oh. Mac Rumors, and I was watching a documentary on like, Electric Ladyland from Hendrix. And I'm very interested in that, you know, oh, producer, I, am. So I am. I'd love awesome. to hear about like how people crafted a oh, record.
1: Oh, lovely.
0: And so when I talk to an artist, you know, I can kind of get deep when they want to go into like, like why did they create an album? What's the theme, the songs, where, where are they coming from? Like what were the feelings behind them? I'm, not, I'm really into that. So
1: well, maybe you could send me um, a list of all the questions you'd love to ask about that process and, You'd be helping me because that's one of the things I'm putting on my patrons, like patron only, is live video and you know, tutorials and the the step by step thing about how the songs made. Because I think generally, I don't know how many people are interested in that, but I thought that would be really nice to share.
0: Yeah, we started, we actually have an audience about 12.9 thousand. Um, oh wow. So gosh. We have actually started to build an audience of people that realize we actually talk to musicians. And um, Yes, yeah. It's actually starting they have got some sponsors now. And oh, um it's wow. actually, you know, it's getting bigger. And we're in Spotify actually bought um Anchor FM. So Anchor FM is part oh. of Spotify.
1: Oh, and I so see.
0: And so we're actually getting bigger all the time. So we actually have a link, um, on our podcast goes out to spotify and we can actually link it back into your instagram so when we finish this we actually can actually have a link as a highlight where you somebody can click on the highlight and they can actually hear the whole episode
1: oh i'm so impressed it's just so
0: so great yeah we got like 12 other platforms that we're on so you can listen to us on apple Uh, stitcher uh, radio public like all these different platforms
1: oh great Um, i'll just keep sharing them everywhere i can then for you yeah we're gonna send
0: you all we'll send you as many links as we get because it takes a little bit for it to publish but once we get the links we'll send them to you but yeah i love talking to artists because um in some cases some of the people i've talked to i've actually ended up collaborating with oh that's
1: good (laughs) that sounds promising
0: (laughs) yeah because i end up working with people but um you know, it's, just, it's not that I'm out there trying to find people by doing it, but I just love to talk to other musicians. Yeah, me Because too. in the in the music world, you know, I find that um, you know, finding out about somebody else's process or where they're coming from, it, it, it inspires me to write. I, I, oh, I inspire my yes. other musicians. Um, and exactly. so when I hear somebody's music, it kind of drives me to go in a, in a different direction.
1: Yeah, or, or,
0: or continue a direction. Continue,
1: yeah, just continue. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, so so um, so when you were first in your band, um, how did you guys like get out there? How did you actually get to to the public?
1: Yeah, good good question. Yeah, well, well, we so Mark and I—that's the guitarist—he's changed his name to Joseph now. But we started rehearsing in rehearsal rooms in in the city center. And you kind you kind of meet people at rehearsal studios, and um, but that's people got to know us we did some acoustic shows around the town you know we just play anywhere and um literally the two other band members walked into our lives <laughs> by wow. one of the drummer the drummer was rehearsing with another band at the studio rehearsal studio it's called the venue in birmingham and um and then the bass player came to rehearse as well in another band and they got to hear our music and they both just said well, we want to play with you because we like your music more. You know, they just really loved it. And uh, so the four of us started rehearsing together. And then we just started doing shows after about a year. And then we did a support slot to a band called um, Monkey Messiah, I think. And they had a a manager called John Glennon, who's still going. He he runs an organisation called Jaw Dropper Management in uh, Ireland now, I think. And he just came came up to us and said, um, "This is great. I, I want to be part of this." And you know that's what that's what happened. It, I think if for me, I think keep doing it. Don't stop. And if if you're if you know what you want to do and how you want to sound, people start attaching themselves to you, and let it let it happen. You know, and oh, yeah. um, and then yeah, we got. We, we decided to um, spend that first £250 that we saved up to go into a studio and just make a demo. And uh, it was picked up by a distribution company. And literally the whole thing cost £250. And then they, they picked up on it, they put it out, and it was played on Radio 1 the first day of its release. And that that was unheard of, you know, that band from Birmingham that paid £250 for a demo (laughs) got played on BBC Radio 1 on the first day. That's
0: awesome. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, it was mad. It was great. And literally, we were still kicking around like kids in rehearsal rooms. We had no knowledge of music industry at all. We just, we were just, I think, what I love is if having the time to rehearse, a good year's rehearsal at least before you record you know or yeah. uh, working together and letting that happen organically that sound and grow and grow and grow and even after the first we re- released it wasn't it was okay it was called dull Doll dull and it's it's on an ep and it's released but we got better and better and better every time you know and uh, yeah. it just went crazy after that after that radio one play and you know
0: so how did you come up with the name delicious monster
1: yeah it was my idea because i, I love the contrast you know i thought it described the sound really well that you know we were soft and hard and intimate and then heavy and you know we'll pull you in we'll push you away we'll blast you out we'll keep you close oh, you know, cool. yeah and it's yeah we're, we were the first ones to have the name but i think there is an american delicious monster now as well isn't there
0: yeah there's like an <laughs> em there's an electronic band name the same
1: <laughs> that's really mad
0: it's like yeah delicious yeah. monster uk yeah, I, like I like dichotomy i like you know kind of you know yin and yeah. yang yeah always, i always like having black and white yang and yang you know <laughs> good, good and bad i try to have a dichotomy yes
1: because, yeah absolutely you know, it's an oxymoron they, isn't it delicious well, monster.
0: duality is always interesting when you're when you're a writer you know, so if you try to take the the dark and the light, the good and the bad, you just try to like, you can use that as a theme, you know, when your music. And um.
1: yeah, and I think that's how I was as a person. I was growing up and I was a bit confused, you know, it hadn't always been easy along the way. So, but I did find myself to be um, naturally optimistic and energetic, but I had got, you know, like um, experiences to consider and my mood could change. But when you, I think when you're really receptive and perceptive, you feel things really strongly and, um, you know, to survive, you have to find a way to express that.
0: Oh yeah. Do you find sometimes that um, as a writer, <clears throat> yeah, you can pull a lot of stuff that's real personal and you create the art, but does it ever feel like maybe you overexpose your feelings, you know, in your music and you kind of got to protect yourself?
1: Oh, lovely question. Well, well say truth to material, which is coming out after Venture of Belief. Um, that's kind of the first truth to material is kind of the first move away from my inner world to my to looking at the outer world. It's kind of it describes moving back to a city that you've left years before and it kind of talks you know, I think about skylines and atmospheres and characters they've met and letters from love letters from the past and people that I meet that I knew before and you know beautiful things like that which is less emotional more actual and um descriptive and narrative in that sense but when when a delicious monster years I was very much um working in metaphor so I wouldn't directly talk you know be personal I wouldn't know how I wouldn't have known how you know I was such a, yeah. a baby like so um green you know so new to the world that um, yeah, I wouldn't have known how to go, go too deep, but I was, it was an excavation of sorts. It was finding my way and using a lot of metaphor. One thing means another thing. Um, I never feel as though I say and give away too much. If anything, I admire anyone who just gives it all, you know. And But, but the, there's a very artful way of doing it so that it's not um, so self-centered that people can't. Identify, you know, it needs to be universal. I need to share the idea with you rather than try and push the idea upon you. I think that's part of the art of songwriting. You know, you when I say you, I mean the listener.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard. Um, it kind of like that balance. If you're very professional, you know, you get the professional yeah. artist uh that's really uh you know, like pushing it. You know, you, people can say Kurt Cobain was very confessional in some of what he was doing. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, you get into some of the stuff like Eddie Vedder can get very you like know, into himself, and but everybody can kind of feel it.
1: Yeah, what he's try- yeah.
0: trying to say. Um, yeah, and,
1: I mean, but I- Dylan
0: was Dylan was really good at it. Because even on, um, uh, you know, uh, an album, you know, that he did that's very confessional. That you know, that has like "Tangled Up in Blue" in "Indian Wind." It's supposed to be about his uh, falling apart of his of his marriage, oh. but there's so much allegory.
1: There you go. That's really
0: true. You know, <laughs> it's, it's very confessional in a way, but he's actually still shielding himself. That's in right. the songs. That's with right. all these images that are trying to speak to a truth, but they're still kind of layered.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? that, I think that was very much me because I totally identify with that. Um, because, you know, I was still coloring in the picture myself. So I couldn't be certain of everything, you know. And I hadn't certainly hadn't got all the answers, and I don't think I have today. But you know, I'm I'm an observer, and I will I will give you something of myself, though, absolutely because I have to because that's my way of contacting connecting to you, you know, whoever you are. You know, I want to make that contact.
0: Of course, cool. so you're doing what you call like poetry films. That's right.
1: right. Yeah, that I've had to. Most of them are going to be available on yeah my Patreon and stuff because they're art films. So yeah, I moved yeah. into I moved into doing uh, conceptual art um, as a way back into because I think you asked a really interesting question about adapting to the new um, you know the new era of releasing music and art and how it's all changed. It's online a lot, um, and but and I did adapt. You know, I started doing conceptual films. That was picked up by uh, British Film Institute. I love working in mixed media, yeah.
0: It's great fun.
1: It helps me with my music as well.
0: Yeah, I, I do a lot of experimental, like uh, YouTube, Instagram videos. Oh. That I use a lot of tools. Because I'm an electronic artist, I try to make very kind of psychedelic, atmospheric, surrealistic um, th- uh, films or, or um, you know, electronic video that go with my music. So oh, if I play wow. I actually have a lot of visuals.
1: Kind of like wait idea to see that I, it.
0: Well a lot of yeah, if you go on my Instagram you can see a lot of the videos I put together with sure.
1: my Yeah. on
0: expansive sound experience. But Will I was do. kinda inspired by like Warhol with the Velvets. The whole yeah. idea of Velvet Underground was it was a visual and musical experience. And he used to have all these like films going on behind him. There was like all the psychedelic film yeah, completely. And art that he used to do. And I was very inspired by that along with the idea that Bowie had these ideas when he did like Ziggy and Aladdin saying he had all of these ideas, like for this visual representation of what he was doing.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. so
0: I, I always thought that that's important to try to do that. And so I actually even wear a costume. Do you? <laughs> yeah. I have, an, I have an LED mask, like a phantom mask and a, like a LED hoodie and, and wow. kind of glows in the dark. and You can't really see who I am. Because the idea is I'm, I'm doing a male and a female voices.
1: And Amazing. then I have a mask
0: and you can't tell my sex because I, I'll, I'll go do Josephine, but you can't really see that she's a, a girl or you can't see I'm a guy, you can't really tell.
1: Fantastic. Um,
0: and so the idea is to kind of play with that. And I was very inspired by what Bowie used to do with, with Ziggy. Um, I thought that that was really cool. And even Prince with the Camille. Is I, would, I was very inspired. Like, so Josephine kind of came out of Camille. This idea that Prince had to do like a female version of himself. Yeah. So I, did, I did the same idea, but um. So
1: some exceptional stuff, yeah. That's really good. I mean, yeah, I think I like to work in um ideas sort of um exceptional reality rather than I don't uh, not so much science fiction or it's avant garde, but it's it's sort of um a heightened reality rather than make believe one, if you see what I mean.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're doing more like uh like a 3 consciousness video video kinda Yeah well, very art. It,
1: it kind of I'm working in seasons, so it was Delicious Monster, then it was of Joie de Vivre was the first album yeah. and then um Transports of Delight and then Winter of Desire and then Venture of Belief and Truth to Material. So each season has a title and it has like, you know, the movies to go with it and a little novelette and what I wear will be different. Like I'm, I'm talking to a fashion artist um, for for all the sort of a, the image of truth to material, you know. Like it's great, you know. Just whatever the seasonal mood is, I elaborate on that in every way I want to. Well,
0: and, it's really cool, cool what you're doing because like you're using thanks. multimedia to yes. um, you know push yourself out there, and you you've been an artist, you know, as an indie artist in the kind of indie rock. And then you're kind of going more into a more art, like you know, like a Warhol type of thing.
1: Exactly, Um, exactly.
0: Yeah, with music. Cool. Thank you so much.
1: It's nice to be understood. You know,
0: thanks. Yeah, well, I love, I love all that stuff. I mean, I, I kind of grew up, um, where you know, I think um, Bowie used to say is like, I'm not just going to go on stage with my blue jeans because (laughs) I want to, I want to give people a show. Oh, Absolutely. So yeah. he used to talk about the idea of using stagecraft and um, using um, like you know more film and actor type of skills. Yeah, and you'll see like bands that have become super big, like Freddie Mercury. He had that kind of actor capability.
1: He, he did. would own
0: the stage. You know, mm-hmm. Bowie owned the stage. Yes, Prince like projected this image of the kid or image of his um. You know, he would change like Bowie. He would have different costumes for different albums. Yes. And and every time he presented himself, he was wearing that costume, but it wasn't like the real him. You know, he was playing a role. Prince was playing a role, just like Bowie. Um,
1: Yeah, I see. I see the roles as uh, manifestations of different sides of our personality because it is us, but it's like this exceptional part of us or another side to us. You know, and that and that that persona deserves an outing as much as you know and. And, uh, like, um, each 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 um, art piece is about how our perception of the world and how that can change. So, you know, That's or cool.
0: a journey or... Yeah, you know, it's, cool. it's cool to actually pull that out of yourself and to kind of try to make, you know, I've always feel art has a really kind of very special place in the world. And and yeah. when you take your art serious and, and you're really, you know, trying to create something that has some kind of lasting value or it it needs something. And I think when an artist puts a lot of effort into what they do and they have a visual and they have a cohesive vision, then I think it's just very interesting compared to this kind of like candy art. That's not bad. I mean, we we just saw it in the 1950s, like bubblegum music. Yeah. There's a place for for music like that. And then there's a place for the stuff that's a little more serious or a little more uh, refined or more thought put into it. And, yes, and, I agree. I agree. And I, I just, I love, I love actually talking to the people that create that type of work.
1: Oh, I'm so <laughs> pleased you found me. I'm so lucky. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, Thanks.
0: I'm always looking for for the artists I think that need to get paid attention to. Oh, um, wow, it's that need...
1: my lucky day. I'm
0: so happy. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I I think that's the problem today is like the well, it's not a problem in some ways. We we have YouTube, we've got SoundCloud. We've got this kind of Anchor FM. We've got different places that we can go out there and uh, let people know. Um, But it's just trying to get more people to be aware of of the work that's out there. Yes, and the the processes.
1: That's what's so great about what you're doing is, you know, talking to the listeners and each other about the processes. I mean, you know, I've spent years working on a piece with no one paying any attention to me, and I've had to endure that because I knew it would be worthwhile, but, you know, it can get a little bit lonely. So when someone like yourself goes, hey, Rachel, I get it. You're working in mixed media. You've adapted, you know, in kind of Warhol-esque way, and you're working in art. And, you know, it makes that those years alone worthwhile. <laughs> you know? Yeah,
0: well, you want to be able to give props to artists and give them a place to, to have uh, a form. And that's what I've tried to do with this show is to to basically let um, people know about artists that they should be listening to, that they should be interested in. And, you know, going out to your Patreon and supporting it because there's a lot of people.
1: Yes, that would change everything. I mean, that's, um, sure. (laughs) I mean, i put music out on labels and stuff, but when you're working in other mediums, you need, yeah, you need your people behind you. You do, you do.
0: Yeah, well, it's just after the Napster era, and even the streaming era is like artists don't get paid no. what, we, what we used to get paid. And, um, people somehow th- sometimes think music is free and like, yeah. if you want music, you have to support the artist. Thank so you. I always, yeah. say, always say, when I, when I put these up, I'll put your links. Wow. You know, t- t- so I'll put up your Patreon links. I'll Amazing. put up your album links.
1: Yeah. So Amazing. people can
0: actually buy your music. And I encourage people, you know, if you love an artist, download their work if you love yeah. it buy their merch that's subscribe right. to their channel don't just listen to it and say you love them but you don't pay for anything um that's <laughs> right know, not,
1: Absolutely. not that you can't
0: just listen but if you really want to support artists it's, it's a craft and uh you know yeah, willing to pay yeah. for 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 you know athletes to go see a game you need to pay for musicians too <laughs> oh, and then we can
1: be our best, right? And we can run run yeah. like athletes musically, yeah, absolutely. Well,
0: everybody needs to understand, like, you know, it's, it, we don't get a magic coin. <laughs> no, we
1: don't. And that's why I'm holding on, like, I own the rights to Delicious Monster Music, so you know, I'm going to put that through Patreon and through, as gifts and, you know, and as incentives and wait until, you know, that people invest in me as an artist so that we can put it out on the Pure Savage label and Get it redistributed. You see, I'll get more distribution if more people sign up on Patreon, so we can get the delicious Monster out on all formats and and oh, ev- and everything I've ever done. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm so using it. You got to put it
0: on vinyl. Or are you gonna get yeah. it? On vinyl?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there's an option. The more patrons I get, we am putting everything out on vinyl. Yeah, delicious Monster included. Yeah, I including. think
0: vinyl is a really good way, that, especially when you're doing mixed media. Because if you're an artist, yeah, vinyl gives you the opportunity if you get the right package you have posters and inserts and you know oh, a front yeah. cover and a back cover exactly
1: and, all the exciting really, stuff
0: <laughs> yeah you can actually really think about the design you know oh uh, yeah
1: absolutely i've got some. so it's wonderful. not just a tiny
0: design on a phone and you don't actually get the feel can yeah. I'm, I'm a child in the 70s you know i bought those led oh, zeppelin records okay. with the little cutouts <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> you know i got the i got the <laughs> velvet underground record with the banana that had a you know, with a sticker. Yeah. It, you can pull the sticker off. Have you, like,
1: have you still got them? Have you still got all that stuff? Oh, well, amazing. Oh, yeah. oh
0: wow. But yeah, because I'm a, I, I actually, you know, one thing about the album format was that you would sit down and you would listen to Sgt. Pepper's all the way through.
1: You know, yeah, because exactly. on vinyl,
0: you kind of have to listen to the whole idea. And um, that's the thing about the album. I, I'm a very album oriented guy, Because okay? I, like, I feel like reading a novel you know oh, absolutely an album, I
1: so agree. Yeah.
0: It's, it's like reading a novel. And if and somebody crafts an album really well, then yeah. you'll get like, you know, like you know, tapestry. Or you'll get
1: you are so peppered. You are so right. You're so
0: you know, right. You know, or exile on Main Street. You'll get a, a an idea that really is consistent and it flows and it makes sense. Yeah. Or it has feeling and you have a feeling from like exile on Main Street, there's a feeling there um you know that that's what you get out of an album and some of these kids today they don't seem to you know understand that because they're just picking and choosing playlists and i and that's great you kind of can go and um you know pick what you want but you lose that what the artist was trying to convey
1: exactly and and also no i I do agree with you and i think um it'll be more substantial and give them more pleasure if they can be sort of at least have one or two artists that they have that relationship with, you know. They can sort of, I mean, with with my with my work, the seasons. You can choose what mood you're in for the day, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the idea. Getting the whole collection on wonderful yeah, formats. I, I am,
0: I am very, um, you know, hopeful that I see a lot of young kids get back into vinyl, which means yeah. they're actually listening to the whole thing through, and oh, they're actually yeah. buying the record from the band. And so I do see there seems to be a movement. Uh, Where people are buying, you know, high fidelity stereo systems again, and they want to hear, you know, good music on vinyl.
1: Oh, Um, there definitely is. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've got, I just had a lovely, uh, someone contact me from Vienna, who found one of my early vinyls in a record shop there and they've said, they've become a patron and they want me to... You know, release all the rest on vinyl. It's great because it's up to the listener. It's great. It's like you can keep telling me what you want, and you can join me, and yeah, we can keep doing it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I think I definitely I was looking into that Patreon, but you know, I just got signed by a label, so I'm actually working on some stuff. But um, okay. Yeah, but yeah, I'm always I, I still always do my own thing, even though I'm on the label. I'm always I'm working on some th- collabs that are like outside of my label. <laughs> That's it.
1: That's the thing once the patrons there you can be signed to a label and still do your own thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I might still look into that because I I am doing some side things with some people and it, it's cool to have um alternatives.
1: It is because you never know who just feels like supporting you and it's just it's there, you know, it's open and and I feel oh, yeah. I feel connected like to have my own. It's great having followers on social media, but to have Patreon fact that they're your real hardcore fans, you know, they're the ones that or f- friends, or you know, whatever you want to call them, they're the ones who are gonna tell it, tell you what they think of each move you're making. And
0: talk, yeah, I mean, go it's good to have you. that kind of feedback. Having hardcore fans, yeah, having your, having control of that uh, compared to having some other organization control it, like you control it. Um, it's it's good to sure. have the artist in at control. At least a part
1: of it, yeah, at least a part of it. I mean, I would, yeah. I do, I I am talking to a couple of labels now for Truth to Material, and I am interested in getting a signing for that because obviously i want to do a really good studio recording so yeah but but i'll always keep my patreon absolutely
0: yeah again i'm more finally i'm working with some recording engineers i mean i do a lot of stuff myself but i'm actually using recording engineers to actually take my stuff from my studio and then wow. re-engineer it so i I got like a deal where i can get unlimited like ma- uh, mastering so that's, that's so kind of cool
1: why i'm, well, so I'm kind of crazy
0: I, I write like Five songs a, a, a week really <laughs> yeah I, I well i have a home recording studio and i got my modes and my my analog gear and i just i just write all the time
1: and, and what's it like and, where you live
0: where do you live well i live in on uh, concord new hampshire and so it's kind of out in the woods and uh yeah
1: near gotta, to, what's I, nearest what state is that near new york
0: or? Uh, well new hampshire is um near massachusetts oh
1: wow
0: so it's kind of out in the woods um but, right. but it, is, it is a really nice area and you can kind of have a clear head. Yeah. So I'm actually thinking of building a recording studio out here uh, near a lake region and, um, you know, take it out of my house and actually make a separate one wow. to try to, you know, get people who want to get away from a city mm-hmm. and get into a more pastoral environment. And I uh, kind of decompress compared to like recording in New York or L.A. You yeah. Be in a place that's a little more healthy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: I'm sure people will take you up on that. Yeah, so sure. I'm actually working working on that. Um, but I mean, I'm working on my new record deal right now. But um, yeah, um, my my long term goal is to build a studio in, in New Hampshire and actually work with indie musicians around the world and have them come in. But Ooh. that that's future. That's a future thought. But uh, I, I've been talking a to thought. a lot of musicians, uh, and you know, I'm I getting good rapport with them. So I'm sure if I get it built, and I've got some cool stuff like a real analog mixing council and like old analog modes and you no know, have pure kind of old school.
1: Yeah. Where,
0: you know, have a tape instead of you know digital, make a tape based studio, make an analog, uh, you know, have a lot of, you know, capabilities. So that's that's my idea. It's a um, great idea. And have it away from the other ones. <clears throat> so it's not in New York, it's not in LA, it's in a totally different place. So I don't have a lot of competition. <laughs> um but yeah so that's that's cool but it's been really awesome talking to you and i and i, I would definitely want to uh, do a, a deeper dive on your on your on your projects if you want to come back
1: oh yeah thank you i'd love to i really enjoyed it really did yeah so
0: yeah, you know, this is going to go out later tonight and i'll send you the links and i'll actually promote it okay. on my instagram and oh. my facebook and my blogger and my other social media it's going to be on Anchor FM. It's going to be on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Radio Public, all these. So. Um, well, thank yeah. you. Yeah.
1: Hello, America. Hello, Massachusetts. And thank you so much to you. I've really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, it was great. <laughs> great. Um, uh, I, all right, well, I hope you have a great, great day, rest of the day or night. Thank you.
1: Yeah, it's lovely and sunny here. And I'll just get on with doing some more music, actually, now, and get some stuff done. Wonderful. Okay,
0: well, thank you. It was great talking to you, Rachel.
1: You too. Take care.